Welcome to the Prosperous and Happy Life Podcast. I'm Mary Hagerman, Investment Advisor, Financial Planner, and Portfolio Manager with Raymond James in Montreal. In this podcast, I'm delighted to share tips and experiences from my quest to help my clients be prosperous and happy. For over 30 years, I've worked with thousands of clients and countless experts, all looking to have a rich and fulfilling life. My interests go far beyond the realm of money, and you'll get a taste of that here. In my interviews, I share stories and wisdom, along with advice from the many experts I've encountered. You can put all of this to good use in your life or your work or both. I hope you'll join me each month for a new episode, either on Spotify, iTunes, or Google Podcasts. Please subscribe, like, and share with friends. And now, here's episode number three with Megan McCarthy. As young people embark on a lifetime of saving and investing, they need to understand the role of ETFs or exchange-traded funds in the investment landscape. And I had the opportunity over the summer to employ Megan McCarthy. She's a third-year finance student at Bishop's University, and she worked with us as an intern. She told me she was curious about ETFs, and she didn't really understand how different they were from mutual funds, which is a pretty common question. So I thought it would be a great opportunity to interview Megan on my podcast and have her ask me questions about ETFs and investing. So hi, Megan. Thanks for joining me on the Prosperous and Happy podcast. Hi, Mary. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. It was so much fun working with you this summer, really was. And I thought you had some very insightful questions, especially about ETFs, which is my specialty. So I'm ready to take them on. Let's get started. Okay, awesome. All right. So my first question for you, Mary, would be that I think I have a pretty good understanding of what mutual funds are. I know that they're essentially a basket of stocks and bonds that are managed by a fund manager and can be purchased for a fee, well, purchased as a whole for a fee. So my understanding of ETFs are quite similar to that. So I just don't really know how mutual funds and ETFs differ. So I guess my question would be, what is the difference between an ETF and a mutual fund? Well, that's a great place to start. And, you know, mutual funds have been around for a very long time. And many in investors understand that they represent a basket of stocks and or bonds and that they're managed by a fund manager. So mutual funds, just to give you a bit of history, they have really been around for many years and have become a popular way for investors to diversify their holdings using an experienced money manager. So what the money manager does is he or she selects stocks and bonds that meet the fund's mandate, okay? So it could be a mandate to invest globally, could be a mandate to invest in stocks in Canada, in stocks in the US, or a diversified sort of portfolio. And the fund will charge a management fee. So when combined with the operating fees of the fund, 
we call that a management expense ratio or a MER, okay? So the MER can range to 0.5 or half a percent to 1.5% and sometimes even more. Um, however, I will note that uh, bond funds, if it's just a mutual fund exclusively with bonds, they usually have lower MERs than stock or equity mutual funds. So you, you follow me up to there? Yes, yes, that makes sense. Okay. So here in Canada, we can be very proud to say that we actually launched the first ETF in 1990, and it was used for passive management. So the goal of the ETF was simply to replicate the performance of a major index at the time, a Toronto index, with a basket of stocks that was rebalanced periodically. Okay, so was just a basket of stocks, no management, but periodically rebalanced as you know some stocks became um, increased or decreased in value. ETFs now can be either passively or actively managed, okay, much like mutual funds. And they use algorithms or rules to track a given index. So as a result, especially the passively managed ETFs, since they don't have a manager deciding how things are, you know, what is being picked and choosed in the index, they simply follow an index. So passive index tend to have lower MERs compared to mutual funds. So with mutual funds, you have a manager, and the manager is hired to add alpha to the fund's return. So you know what alpha means? Yes, I think yeah. so. That's the excess return. Excess okay? return, okay. Excess return above and beyond what you get simply from being invested in the index. So that's what you would call active management. And it just makes sense that the active return generated by the professional money manager of the mutual fund should exceed or be more than the fees charge or the MER charge, okay? But, I mean, that doesn't always happen. And we'll delve into that sort of as we go through your questions, right? Because you got yes. a lot, you have a lot of good questions. But for example, like I use industry reports to, to you know, to, to, to base my decisions on uh, what's going on with different types of investments and industry reports like the SPIVA report. And SPIVA stands for S&P Indices Versus Active. It has long demonstrated that active managed funds, actively managed funds, underperform the index which they are being compared to, which we call the benchmark, okay? And actually, according to the most recent SPIVA report for Canada, between 57 and 95% of Canadian mutual funds underperformed their reference index over the past 10 years. Wow. Yeah, that's that, quite wow. okay. Quite astonishing, yeah. 
Yeah, that was shocking. I definitely did not know that. <laughs> okay, so so then that brings me, I think, to my next question. That would be, well, if mutual funds don't outperform, why not use ETFs instead? Well, the question kind of begs, right, as you said. And, you know, I, I will sort of kind of preface what you said. Most mutual funds don't outperform, but some do, right? But but I began using passively managed ETFs after what we like to call the Great Recession of 2008-2009. And I have seen a lot of bear markets, but that was the worst. And following 2008-2009, after reviewing industry statistics like the SPIVA report, which I mentioned earlier, I realized that you know, most active managers of mutual funds just weren't adding alpha to their fund's performance, only additional fees. Mm. And what I liked about ETFs was they offered a diversified, low-cost alternative to these actively managed funds. And, you know, don't forget the bond ETFs have even a lower MER than equity ETFs. So I decided at that point after 2008, 2009, when we just saw the markets dive and, you know, the indices went down by, you know, up to 40%, uh, I decided uh, when I saw the results of the aftermath of the Great Recession that I was not going to pay a mutual fund manager, if I didn't have a very good chance of beating the index the manager was using as a benchmark. Okay, yes, that definitely makes sense. Um, So then, is it possible for a mutual fund to also compare itself to an index? Or would that just then make it an ETF? Well, you know, you have excellent questions, and for sure, <laughs> this this is another good one <laughs> because because it it brings up the whole comparison element that is very very important here the return comparison. So, regardless of whether you're using an ETF or a mutual fund to invest, you need to have a measure of comparison to let uh, people know just how good a job are you doing at managing their money. Right. So this this marker or or reference, if you like, is known as a benchmark in our language. And as I explained earlier with the results of the SPIVA, if you had, let's say, a U.S. equity mutual fund, well, then as a manager, you'd want to be able to show people your returns and, and let them know how good they are by comparing them to an appropriate benchmark. In this case, it would be for U.S. stocks, the S&P 500. So, so a mutual fund manager will, you know, generally not attempt to replicate a benchmark index. That's not their job. Their job is to do better than the benchmark using their stock picking skills, right? So they will they will pick stocks in order to do better than their their benchmark and use the reference index to illustrate how much alpha or excess return they're generating with their uh, stock picking skills. Now, yeah, so, um, 
so, you know, it's just, uh, it just makes sense that we have a way to evaluate the performance of an active manager. And sometimes it's not only the return we're looking at, okay? We're looking at volatility as well. So if a manager can show that their returns and stock picking expertise or methodology consistently yields better returns than the index after fees, right? That's the MER we're talking about. And possibly with fewer ups and downs, so the ups and downs would be the volatility, then the manager has a case for attracting investors to the fund. But if the results are not compelling, then a bit like what you said with your question, you know, it the question begs, like, why pay extra fees for an actively managed mutual fund if you can buy the ETF that tracks the mutual fund's benchmark and ends up giving you a better return after fees, right? Yes. Okay. Well, that makes a lot of sense. I didn't think of it that way before. So that clears all that up. And, and of course, I want to add too that the, the same logic does apply to bond funds, right? So investors have the choice of using a bond fund or a bond ETF or a combination of both. Um, okay, Mary. So we are at our final question. So definitely after my summer working here and working for you, I have definitely learned the value of using an investment advisor, especially when you're young and starting out and you have a lot of questions like myself. But I do wonder, and I know that I have other people who've asked me this before, why would you suggest for someone to use an advisor to build an ETF portfolio if it is already a managed fund? Megan, when I first started introducing clients to my ETF portfolios, like that was over 10 years ago, and your question would come up. So since that time, the number of ETFs available has grown tremendously. And there are all kinds of ETFs. There's even more ETFs than mutual funds now. So I'll speak to the passive ETF strategy that I use. In order to build a well-diversified portfolio over different geographical areas and different asset classes, there's a whole bunch of factors to take into consideration when choosing the ETFs and, and you know, the portfolio guidelines and such. So just the selection process takes a lot of time and effort to make sure you obtain the diversification and the risk profile that you're looking for. I frequently rebalance my portfolios so that I can come back to target positions. And I'll also change the ETFs I use in my portfolio for a variety of reasons. So investment advisors do have a very important role to play in portfolio construction for sure. But not only that, they help clients build wealth over time by guiding them in their financial planning, making sure that they have the appropriate risk profile for their personal objectives, and also keeping them focused on their goals through good and bad times. So the path to prosperity and happiness is not just about portfolio returns, and a good advisor can help clients in many ways. 
So thanks again, Megan, for being a guest on this podcast. Your questions were great. And hey, now you can go back to school and share what you've learned this summer with us and, and being immersed in the ETF culture. But before I let you go, I have one question that I ask all my guests. You ready? <laughs> yes, I am. Okay. <laughs> you know what it is. <laughs> I've been ready, waiting for this one. <laughs> okay, good. So what does prosperous and happy mean to you? Well, great question, Mary. I think that prosperous and happy means to me just fully being able to live life to the fullest and take all it has to offer without not having to worry about the little things and being able to reach your full potential and not having things hold you back and just being grateful and keeping your friends and family close. And yeah, I think that's really what it means to be prosperous and happy. Well, that's a super answer from a outstanding young lady who is on her way to reaching her full potential and more. So best of luck with your studies and please keep listening to The Prosperous and Happy Life. Yes. Well, I just wanted to say thank you so much, Mary, for everything. And it's been an amazing, insightful summer with you. So thank you very much. Thank you so much for tuning in, and please remember to join me each month for a new episode, either on Spotify, iTunes, or Google Podcasts. Please subscribe, like, and share with friends. And in the meantime, you can follow me on LinkedIn and Facebook at Mary Hagerman. The link is in the description box below, along with a link to our website, www.maryhagerman.ca. So thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast has been prepared by and expressed the opinions of Mary Hagerman and not necessarily the opinions of Raymond James Limited. Statistics, data, and other information presented are from sources RJL believes to be reliable, but their accuracy cannot be guaranteed. This podcast is for information purposes only and is not to be construed as an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchases of securities. Investors considering any investment should consult with their investment advisor to ensure that it is suitable for the investor's circumstances and risk tolerances before making any investment decisions. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Information provided in this podcast is general in nature and should not be construed as providing legal accounting and or tax advice. Should viewers have any specific questions and or issues in these areas, please consult your legal, tax, and or accounting advisor. RJL is a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund.